What's up, guys? Welcome into the Up and Under podcast, the show dedicated to true basketball fans giving you unfiltered intellectual takes on the game we all love. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing to the show here on YouTube or wherever you can find a podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Join with me, as always, it's Ishan. Yo. All right, man. Now that we are a few weeks past free, the craziness of free agency, you know, we've had some time to kind of marinate, kind of see what some of these signings were and... You know, really, truly formulize opinions based on everything we've seen, you know, everything that team has done. And we wanted to do something that we've also done in the past, where we kind of look back at some of the best signings and some of the worst signings of free agency. And I feel like this season, this year gave us a very good mix of both. I would say the worst were pretty easy to come up with, but the best ones... We definitely had to think a little bit on what was our definition of best. I think this year was a bit more even compared to years past. I remember years past being like super. There, there was a lot more kind of highs and lows. Yeah. I think this year, the difference I think this year with teams is that there was so much money. And because now, because of the, you know, the salary floor rules, it's kind of justified for teams to spend a little bit more because of the fact that they kind of have to at this point. So I think that kind of evens, you know, the opinions out a bit. Yeah, exactly. And I think it kind of reminds me a lot of what happened in 2016 where some of these moves seem so crazy. But then after, like, money kind of jumped again, then we kind of realized that, yeah, you know, it wasn't too bad. Or we realized that teams grossly overpaid for some some players. Timothy Mozgov. Alan Crabb. Luol Deng. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, that, that was a crazy summer, man. Yeah, that 2016 class was crazy. Um, so yeah, we're going to be breaking down a few of the best signings and a few of the worst signings. Of course, these are all based off our opinions and what we think of them. So yours might be different than ours, but let us know either on the comment section on YouTube or on, on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, so let's start off with the best signings. These are the signings that we felt were the best in terms of value, in terms of the fit with the team, uh, and just overall, like, you know, what we, the, you know, how we felt about the signing. And I think the first signing that I, that we want to talk about is a signing that, I was pretty surprised that it happened with the, with the team. And that's Rui Hachimura. He re-signed with the Lakers on a three-year, $51 million deal. Now, what was surprising about this deal wasn't the fact that, you know, well, you know the number. I think Rui Hachimura earned a contract with $51 million. The, the, the surprising part was, the, how were the Lakers able to pull it off, especially with all the other free agents that they wanted, they wanted to sign? And the fact that they were able to come to an agreement and fit it under that under their whole cap situation, is very impressive work by Rob Palenka. And I think we saw how last year Rui Hachimura fit very well with the team. He can spread the floor. He was a great playoff performer for them. Uh, he gives them a presence on both ends. And I think the contract itself is relatively fair. Yeah, man. He. I think the biggest thing for him was that he showed he can be a good defender um, in the right situation. And, you know, him actually playing for, you know, playoff stakes, playing important minutes, he showed that he can be a good defender, which he never showed in Washington, uh, unfortunately, because it is Washington. Um, but I think we all, everything, everyone, I think, was resigned to the fact that Rui Hachimura would not be a Los Angeles Laker in the new season because us. how would the Lakers be able to do it? And they somehow pulled it off. Uh, we're going to talk about the next guy, but also, you know, grabbing a guy like Gabe Vincent. You know, retaining, I think, everyone except for Dennis Schroeder plus getting you know Gabe Vincent the Lakers I think had a tremendous offseason and it all started I think with the Rui Hachimura re-signing yeah Rui Hachimura is definitely surprising but you know what's even more surprising the next guy we want to talk about Austin Reeves Austin Reeves re-signed with the Lakers on a 
four-year, $56 million deal. And I think this is probably the deal that allowed the Lakers to make all these moves. Because the reason why we thought the Lakers wouldn't have room to sign Rui Hachimura, because Austin Reeves completely earned and played himself into a conversation where he could potentially earn $80 million. And I think he, I think if he would have gotten that contract, I don't think any, you would hear a complaint from any of us because he absolutely deserved that money. He worked hard. He played well in the regular season. He was a huge playoff performer. Uh, and he, he fits so many different teams. And he's very young. And he's super young. So the guy was absolutely, absolutely deserved an $80 million deal. But he decided to take a discount to stay with the Lakers. Now, granted, he wasn't RFA, so there probably was a lot more restrictions with him involved. But he decided to stay with the Lakers on a very, very team-friendly deal. Uh, and I think I for the Lakers, it's a huge win. I would say for Austin Reeves, maybe you could have gotten a little bit more. But hey, when how many more opportunities are you going to play with next to LeBron James? Well, I think from what I've seen, uh, $56 million was the most the Lakers could literally give to Austin Reeves. Um, so I think I think the, the, the rationale behind this is that the opportunity I think that comes with playing with the Lakers, the let's say you know twenty million dollars he lost playing somewhere else, I think will be recouped playing for the Los Angeles Lakers, playing yeah. especially next to LeBron James. Um, so I think he'll you know he recoups that value somewhere else. But I I remember when I saw that notification for Austin Reeves resigning the uh, you know on a fifty six million dollar deal. I had to, like, check my phone twice because I was like, no way this happened. Like, $56 million for Austin Reeves. Because he deserves more. He absolutely de- deserves a higher, higher higher, check. But considering the fact that I think this is a player that truly wanted to value situation, and he realized he's in a pretty good spot with the Lakers. I think per value, you know, per dollar, um, the value that you're getting from this contract, I think this might have legit been the best signing of the offseason. It certainly seems that way because, again... I can't think of a more surprising signing that I think is great works so, worked out well for both sides. Obviously, he has to justify the whatever contract he gets with his performance, but you know we know he's a hard worker. We know he has a great basketball IQ. He's gonna play next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I don't see why not. You know, Darvin Ham has talked about him being an All Star down the road. So I mean, you know, if he continues to improve the way that he has, I don't see you know why not. The the, the sky can't be the limit for him. Yeah, exactly. So the Austin Reeves contract, definitely one of the best in our opinion. Uh, moving on into the next contract that we want to talk about uh, in terms of the best contract signings of the of free agency. Um, this was one that, that was definitely interesting. We didn't necessarily see it coming, but pretty good value for the team. Uh, and that's Grant Williams. He signed a four-year $54 million deal via signing trade with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, now for Grant Williams, I mean, I think after the Porzingis deal, it basically spelled the end of Grant Williams in Boston. Uh, and, you know, I think for the Mavs, picking up a guy in Grant Williams is actually a great great thing for them. They get a guy who will bring you some energy on the defensive end. He spaces the floor on the offensive end. He's a true and true role player, and he's on a pretty affordable deal. Like, you're talking about, you know, a, a guy that knows his role, knows how to win, um, and, again, can still get better in certain areas as well. Yeah, man, like... Dallas doesn't need any more stars, right? Yeah. They need they need the role players, and for them to be able to get Grant Grant Williams on the value that they were able to um, was really good for them. 
Uh, Grant Williams, let's not forget, especially when it comes to his floor spacing, I think that's when it, what has impressed me the most because in his first years in the league, he literally, he literally could not shoot at all. And he came back, you know, a couple years into his career and came back as, you know, a good three-point shooter. And now he's a very good three-point shooter and a very reliable three-point shooter. Not to mention the fact that, you know, he's been on big performing playoff teams. He's been in tough situations in the playoffs. He was one of the Boston Celtics locker room leaders. Um, So he's been throughout, you know, in those situations and those playoffs. He'll help the Dallas Mavericks hopefully get to that next level. And he's just a really, really solid guy to have on your team. A really good player to have on your team to complement your stars. To help them out with all the dirty work. um, To help space the floor with them, as you mentioned. I think this is a really good value contract for the Dallas Mavericks. And I think, again, the fit, I think it's the key the key thing here. I think when you're talking about who, what Luka Doncic needs, they need guys who can defend, but they also need guys who can space the floor so guys like Luka and Kyrie can attack and be able to still kick out and still can you know generate uh, good looks for their teammates and for those teammates to knock down those shots. So I think Grant Williams is a very good addition for the Dallas Mavericks. Kind of a kind of a Dorian Finney-Smith replacement, if you think Basically, about it. Basically, yeah. You know, so that's that's pretty helpful for them. And finally, the last signing that we wanted to talk about, and there were probably others that we could have brought up, but I think these four stood out the most to us. The last signing that we felt was one of the best of the free agency was uh, Herb Jones. Herb Jones re-signing with the New Orleans Pelicans on a four-year, $54 million extension. Um, Again, Herb Jones has already established himself as one of the best defensive players in the league. Um, he was very, He's been very solid, and his offensive game continues to grow and evolve. But for how young he is... Uh, and the fact that his potential is still there, the fact that the Pelicans were able to lock him up on essentially the same deal that, you know, uh, Dallas got an established guy in Grant Williams is very, very good piece of business for the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, obviously they have Brandon Ingram and hopefully they will have Zion Williamson. And if he'll play uh, with everything he's had going on, we have no idea. But, you know, get having these type of complimentary role players locked up long-term is very valuable for a team, especially considering... He still has room to grow. and that's Particularly the on the offensive end. Exactly. But he's already a great defender. And I mean, I think the thing with Herb Jones, a lot of his, I think, shine got taken away last year just because of the development of Trey Murphy III. Um, Trey Murphy, I think, stole a little bit of the spotlight from Herb Jones just because of the fact that Trey Murphy can... He's not the defender that Herb Jones is, but he's still a very good rangy defender. But the difference between him and Herb is obviously the shooting of Trey Murphy. He's a great three-point shooter. His offensive game is definitely, you know, much better than Herb Jones's. But the fact that they were able to retain Herb Jones on a $54 million deal, he's among the best defenders in the league already. Um, And he just fits the modern NBA. You know, you can put him in different spots um, on the court. If he develops that jump shot to a respectable, you know, a good level, hopefully, then you have a one of, I think, the most valuable players for that type of contract in the league on your team locked up, in addition to having a guy like Trey Murphy, Brandon Ingram. We'll see what happens with Zion Williamson. But I think in terms of this offseason, the value, um, the bang for your buck that you're getting, I think Trey, uh, sorry, not Trey Murphy, um, Herb Jones was among this offseason's best signings. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, I will preface this, this is in our opinion. You know, this is who what we think are the best signings because we look at teams 
in terms of their value and how we look at players a little bit differently than maybe a, a casual fan might might look at them. But yeah, these four players and players in particular, uh, their signings we thought were some of the best of this free agency period. Flipping things over to some of the worst signings that we felt of this free agency period. Obviously, the first one that we have to talk about that I think everyone has talked about is the Houston Rockets signing Dylan Brooks to a four-year $80 million deal, which could potentially go all the way up to $86 million. Um, the conversation around Dylan Brooks has been crazy because all the memes of him in the offseason was that he's going to be starting for... You know, China. the China, the Chinese team in, in the CBA, you know, what is it, Guangdong Tigers, Tigers yeah. the Beijing Ducks, whatever. You know, everyone's making memes about how he's going to be in China. And then he turns around and gets an $80 million deal, which, by the way, has no team option on the last deal uh, on the last year. It's a full $80 million guaranteed, which Ouch. is pretty crazy for a guy who performed as Badly as he did last season to end off the season, and especially how loudly he performed that badly, right? So I think I don't, I did not expect him to, you know, be in the, <laughs> be in the CBA. Um, but I think all of us thought that maybe he takes, you know, a one-year sort of, you know, let's say one-year eight million dollar kind of deal, like a prove it deal, a prove it deal. Basically, he takes that deal. And then next year he comes back and hopefully, you know, he performs good this year and comes back next year. Um, but Houston threw the bag at him, threw him uh, four years, $80 million, which is absolutely insane. Now, granted, Houston did have a lot of money to spend. They and went shopping. They have, they have the time, essentially, right? They don't have to, they have the time to wait for their young guys. So, which is why, um, you know, they ended up paying Dylan Brooks, also Fred Van Vliet, that kind of money. Um, but there was, I think there was literally no reason to give this much money to Dylan Brooks. I don't know who they were competing against, who were, who they were bidding against. Yo, the CBA was bidding hard, yo. Apparently, man. Um, I, I legit don't know who they were bidding against for Dylan Brooks. Listen, he's a good guy to have on your team purely for his defensive chops, right? He's a good defender. He's among the best defenders in the league, no doubt. He can be a good veteran presence in the room. Uh, but he's shown to also be immature at times, especially on the Memphis Grizzlies team. Which, granted, I think the whole culture—they needed a reset of the culture entirely. I don't. I think their star play, player being involved in a you know some sort of incident every other week doesn't help. Um, but I think Dylan Brooks—he's shown that he potentially has leadership value, but you know he sometimes it's it's not there. He doesn't put it together all the way. Um, I think the main problem with Dylan Brooks, though, in addition to the money, is the fact that he's a notorious shot chucker. And for a team trying to develop their guards in KPJ and Jalen Green, um, and then now you have Thompson, and also Alper and Shangun, right? Yeah. He's going to, unfortunately, I don't know what's going to happen to him, but he's One shown to be game. a really good, he's shown to be a really good player. So, for Dylan Brooks now taking away shots from those guys, touches away from those guys, unless he completely changes his play style, I don't see how that's going to be a good thing for the development. Not to mention Fred Van Vliet, who's never shy on shooting a shot, right? I think he'll play a little bit different now in Houston, but you add those two kind of shot-happy guys to a situation where you need to develop your scorers and your, you know, hopefully the big man of the future that you have in Shingun. 
it, it, there's there's some questions there, I think. Yeah, so the Houston Rockets definitely had a lot of money to spend. They went shopping, as I as I just said. But first and foremost, four years? That's a long commitment to Dylan Brooks. Like I even for the Houston Rockets, like I would I wouldn't have been too upset if it was a two year forty million dollar deal. That makes sense to me because again, it's not too long term or maybe a one plus one, you know, with a team option at the end of it just to say, okay, hey, if you're not good, we can we can get out of it or something. But the fact that you put no options at the end of it, you put no control, it's guaranteed eighty million for four years. It's a lot, especially for a player like Dylan Brooks, who, let's be honest here, his ceiling is nowhere near as high as some of the other players you mentioned, like Jalen Green, Alperen Shangun, um, you know, KPJ. His ceiling is not as high as those guys. Amen Thompson. Amen Thompson now. Um, so I think it's definitely a risk. Now, can he fit in that locker room? Absolutely. And I think a personality like Ime Odoka can do a good job in controlling Dylan Brooks. I think... He, as long as he controls himself. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But you know what? That's more of the off-court stuff. On the court, we're talking strictly on the court here. Uh, Ime Udoka is a, I guess, a more tougher guy than... He, he's He's been that, you know, he's been that enforcer player. Yes, uh, he, he's, he's a lot more of a in-your-face type of coach than someone like Taylor Jenkins is. So I think he can keep Dylan Brooks in control that way. Now, the on-court... A fit is definitely going to be questionable, I think. Especially considering he really got to, has to fix his jump shot. His jump shot completely fell apart over the last few seasons. Um, and he needs to reduce the amount of touches he's going to get. Because let's be honest with you, he's not the priority for Houston to develop. Houston's priority should be on guys like uh, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Amen Thompson, and Alperin Shangun. So those should be Houston's priorities. But, I mean, hey... Got money, might as well spend it, you know. I mean, speaking of the Houston Rockets, the next guy we're going to talk about is Jock Landa, who they signed on a four-year, thirty-two million okay, this dollar one deal. This made no sense. It literally made no sense. Listen, I love, I, I really do like Jock Lando. I think he's a good player, uh, a serviceable player. But the reality of the matter is that he's a end of the bench kind of player, to potentially a seventh, eighth guy kind of player. I get that the Houston Rockets had money to spend, but four years and $8 million per season for Jock Landau, who was basically almost out of the league last year, it kind of makes no sense at all. I mean, like like I said, I, uh, he's been there for a couple years. He started, I think, in San Antonio. I mean, like I said, he's a quality player. I do like him on any team. I think he he's you know good locker room personality. I think he plays hard. He outplayed DeAndre Ayton for sure in the playoffs last year. Um, DeAndre Ayton kind of played a big role into that as well. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, shout out to Jock. Essentially, that playoff performance is what got him this bag. So, shout out to him, man. Like, respect to you. But uh, for Houston, I I genuinely don't understand the thought process behind what they were doing. Other than the fact that they had money to spend and they have to hit the salary floor. So, they're like, yo, let's throw it in the meantime. But, like I said, four years... $8 $8 million per season for Jock Lando. Is that really the best you could use your money on? I don't think so. Dude, the term is what's throwing me off, man. Because it's like, bro, why are you locking up so much term? Like, I get spending the money. I, I absolutely get it. Especially to hit cap floors and stuff. But why give, give so much term? Especially when you know down the line you're going to have extensions. You're going to need to pay to your young core that is more important to your future of your franchise. 
So why, like that question is questionable to me. But yeah, I think this is one of those deals that will look better with time. I think as the cap kind of goes up, mm-hmm. this $8 million will feel like nothing. Kind of like how a $10 million deal is kind of the average now. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be one of those. But, yeah, shout out to Jock Lando, bro. One playoff performance, bro, and it gets you 32 mil. And shout out to you, bro. Um, I think the next one we're going to talk about is a really – is among it's the sick. worst, or if not the worst, I think, up there with Dylan Brooks, um, is the fact that the Portland Trailblazers re-signed Jeremy Grant on a five-year $160 million deal. They are stuck paying Jeremy Grant thirty over $30 million a season, which is – absolutely crazy um and what's even crazier reportedly that this deal was done back in january so really yeah that's apparently what they said that this deal was Uh, like done back in january i'm guessing that you know portland did not have any idea that damian lillard would ask a trade um ask for a trade right after jeremy grant signed his contract but either way this is a huge l for the portland trailblazers don't get me wrong, Jeremy Grant is a very, very good player. Every team would love to have him. But the fact that Portland is paying him for five years over $30 million a season um, for a team that is not going to probably make the playoffs anytime soon unless you know some sort of big move happens is absolutely crazy to me. Uh, like Portland really took a big L with this contract. I mean, this is one of those perfect examples. Like, man, timing is everything, man. <laughs> and I think for Jeremy Grant, man, I think as soon as he's, he felt good about his agreement and then he looked and checked his phone, he's like, shit, Dame asked out. No, I think I think what happened is that Dame told Jeremy Grant, he got him that contract, and then Dame asked out afterwards because he got him the contract, I think. Because from what, from what I've heard, Dame was the one that helped the contract get through. And then afterwards, he asked for a trade. So, I mean, shout out to Dame. He looked out for his boy in Jeremy Grant. And Jeremy Grant got the bag. But, I mean, damn, bro. Five-year, $160 million for Jeremy Grant. For Portland Trailblazers team that's not winning anything anytime soon is pretty crazy. Now, for Jeremy Grant, he's also been the type of player who's historically... He doesn't mind being in a losing situation. He was he Detroit. did voluntarily go to Detroit. So... And, like, been a part of that. Until Detroit decided to move, he didn't ask for a trade. He didn't ask to be moved. Uh, Detroit moved him because they wanted to recoup assets for him. Um, but uh, So I think from that standpoint, I don't think he'll be a problem for Portland. But it will be tougher for Portland to get out of this contract. Because Jeremy Grant's Detroit contract, very team-friendly. This one, not so much. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this this contract progresses long-term. But I think, yeah, it is pretty much of an L. For yeah. The, for the Blazers, um, yeah, this one was a tough one, I think, if you're a Trailblazers fan. Uh, the final one we're going to talk about. Now, I mean, this is more of a deep cut, but I think this in, in you know conjunction with the rest of the situation that the Denver Nuggets have created, um, I think it factors into why we have this contract on the list. And we're talking about Reggie Jackson re-signing with the Denver Nuggets on a two-year $10 million deal. Um. Listen, two years, ten million. At this point, the NBA is not like terrible. It's changed, but, but the fact that they, for some reason, they threw this money at Reggie Jackson, a guy who rightfully so they did not play at all, basically, except for a couple of minutes in what was it, game three of the finals, game four of the finals. Um, he basically did not play for them, rightfully so. His, unfortunately, his production is just not there anymore. I I think 
he's probably on the tail end of his career. Um, but the fact that they threw $10 million at this guy while they essentially lost their entire depth minus Christian Brown coming off of a finals or coming off of a championship, I think this was a very questionable move. They lost Jeff Green. They lost Bruce Brown. Um, and now they essentially, the, the only guy that's there off of their bench that was there last season is Christian Brown. And instead, they decide to throw $10 million at Reggie Jackson. I think this is sort of head-scratching. It's not the worst move in the world, but I think in terms of among the worst contracts of this offseason, it's one of definitely the most head-scratching ones for sure. I think for the Denver Nuggets, I think they kind of just got into a situation where they were expecting all their guys to come back, at least to, like, you know, to run it back you know, just to defend the ring. But I think they kind of underestimated what other teams would be willing to pay for some of their guys. Like, I don't think they expected Indiana to throw $45 million that Bruce Brown. And I think, what what did uh, Houston sign Jeff Green to? I, I think, think it was 10. Yeah, I think they gave him something pretty decent. So, um, I don't think they expected that. So, I think that's kind of what happened. And then once those guys left, I think they were just like, well, shit, we got to pay somebody. So, here, Reggie, I guess, here, you stay. Or maybe Reggie was going to go too. I guess maybe they were like, hey, we, we can't lose everybody. I mean, $5 million, you can... Probably find someone to better to spend it on if you're the Denver Nuggets. Possibly, I but I think it depends on the, the timing as well. Maybe some of the guys they were looking at potentially left. Who knows? But Like I said, this is not that big of an issue compared to other contracts, but I think if we're talking about, about you know making a list of the best and the worst contracts, I think this belongs in that latter category. Yeah. So those were you know, the four best and the four worst contracts uh, that were signed in free agency. In our opinion. In our opinion, of course. So definitely let us know what you guys think. What do you think were the worst contracts or the best contracts that were signed in this free agency period? Who's the w- gone the best you know, deal? Who's made the most improvement this offseason? Yeah, exactly. So you know, let us know either in the comment section on YouTube or on you know, Instagram or even on Twitter as well. Definitely let us know. Uh, and yeah, man, with that, that concludes this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely subscribe to the show on all the various platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and of course on YouTube. Definitely subscribe so you don't miss more, more off-season content from us in the future. Uh, also follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at upletter and under podcast. Uh, follow us there so that you don't miss more updates whenever new episodes are posted. Or even when we post some clips of certain topics that, you know, are breaking news or even certain topics that we can't fit into an episode. Definitely check that out if you haven't done so. Also, check out our website, upandunderpodcast.com. It's our central hub for the show. It's a place where we write blog posts with every single episode. So if you don't have time to listen or watch the full thing, you can read about it on our website. Every episode is posted with the uh, the audio, video, and the written version all in one place. So definitely check that out if you haven't done so. And yeah, man, you know, we're past free agency, at least the you know the major chunk of it. Now we're going to get into the dreaded offseason and uh, hope that we have something to talk about. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's officially the dead period of the NBA. Yeah, the dreaded dead period, man. Uh, hopefully it ends soon. Oh, wait, football preseason is starting in a few weeks. Yeah, football is starting in a bit. Um, yeah, that's basically the saving grace, I guess. Yeah, we, we need anything that we can get at this point. Uh, but with that, that concludes the week's episode. we see you guys on the next one. Take it easy. Easy.